Hi, I'm Nikki, and here's a few things that are coming up here at Crossroads. The Evansville Rescue Mission is having their annual Drumstick Dash on Saturday, November 12th. This is a great event that supports a local ministry in their efforts to reach the lost and broken right here in our community. They're having both a one-mile and an 8K run-walk starting at 8 a.m. To sign up, just go online to EvansvilleRescueMission.org. Crossing Cultures 101 is a class designed to educate those who attend Crossroads Christian Church and mobilize them into further steps of obedience towards becoming disciples who make disciples. The two and a half hour class will cover multiple topics like who is my neighbor, listening to God, the state of the church, and more. You'll hear from one of our ministry partners about opportunities for you to get involved. The course also serves as a first step for those considering joining a short-term mission trip from Crossroads. Regardless of what brings you, you'll be glad you came. Contact me if you're ready to sign up or if you're interested in learning more. Be sure to keep an eye out for the next Crossing Cultures 101 class. We're also having a short-term missions trip meeting Sunday, November 6th at 10.45 a.m. This is an important meeting you don't want to miss if you're wanting to join a missions trip. For more information on these events and the many others that are happening here at Crossroads, you can check out your bulletin or go online to cccgo.com. Hey, Crossroads family, hope you guys are doing well. Hope you've had a good weekend so far. Uh, right now, as you are watching this video, I am up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado on a retreat with some of my closest friends, uh, but also some men in my life that have been really influential and have taught me a lot about Jesus. And so I'm really excited to be on this retreat. The point of it is simply to know God more, to love Jesus better. And uh, I am excited about walking away from this retreat, challenged to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better better follower of Jesus, uh, as well as a, a better pastor. And so I'm excited to come back and, and just share with you guys what God uh, taught me on this retreat and how he revealed himself to me. And uh, I know that he's going to show up uh, in a really big way. And so obviously this means that I'm not with you guys this weekend, but I don't think you're going to miss me whatsoever. Dave Stone is going to be preaching for us, and I could tell you a lot of different things about Dave. I know him really well. Uh, Dave leads one of the largest churches in the country, Southeast Christian Church over in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he's an effective communicator. He's a great pastor. Uh, he's an awesome dad and grandfather and just a friend to so many different people. Uh, I know that you're really going to love hearing from him uh, today. But there is a little known fact about Dave that uh, you probably should be aware of, you should know about. Uh, Dave, though he's been senior pastor at Southeast for over 10 years. He actually joined the staff there in Louisville uh, back in 1989. And the first weekend that uh, he was a part of Southeast, um, he and his wife Beth and their uh, newborn daughter Savannah, uh, it was their first weekend at Southeast. And that was also the very first weekend that my family went forward and decided to join Southeast and become members there. And so Savannah and I literally uh, grew up together in the nursery. We attended the same school, uh, obviously the same church, and uh, had a lot of the same friends. When Eventually, when I was a senior in high school, I got the courage to ask her out on a date, and uh, she said yes. Uh, 
so grateful for that. Uh, she was a junior at the time. Uh, two years later, uh, I asked for Savannah's hand in marriage and uh, we have been happily married uh, ever since. And so uh, who you're gonna hear from today, this is very dangerous, uh, but he is my father-in-law and uh, I love him very much. And so I'm so excited for you get to hear. Uh, Dave, uh, will you please welcome him to the stage right now? Give him a big crossroads welcome, uh, Dave Stone. Thank you all. Well, thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Your worship time was incredible. I love this church. I've loved this church for a number of years. And everything that Patrick uh, just shared, it is true. And I'm telling you, uh, it's, it's crazy just to think back. I, I'm, as, I, as I'm watching that, I'm reminded of Savannah's graduation from high school. And it was held at the church where I serve in the sanctuary. And I'm seated next to Patrick. At the time, Patrick has been dating uh, Savannah for about 16 months. And so we're kind of aware of what we're dealing with. And and you know what it's like at these graduations. You know, you got 2,500 people in this room. And the longer it goes with the, the names being called out, the more vocal families would get with their affirmation of screaming things out. And so by the time it gets to about the J's and the K's, you know, people are starting to say things when people are, are, are having their name called out. And my brother leans up and he says to Patrick, hey, why don't you scream out uh, when they call Savannah's name, will you marry me? And he says, I'll pay you $10 if you do it. <clears throat> so now Patrick's very excited about this, right? And I'm just putting my head down. I'm like, oh, no, please don't do this. I said, Patrick, don't do something obnoxious just to get a laugh from the crowd. And uh, they say that daughters marry someone who is like their father. That's why the mother of the bride is usually crying at the wedding. (laughs) And so I'm trying to talk him out of it. Well, about that time, it gets to the R's for the last name, and then it starts the S's. And about that time, my brother leans up and says, I'll make it $25. (laughs) This is 2007, all right? So my wife leans over, Beth leans over and says, please don't do it. Please don't do it, Patrick. And Patrick is intent, I'm going to do it. Hey, I'm going to do it. All right. Sure enough, we're two people away from Savannah's name being called out, and all of a sudden... Patrick's mom hears what's going on, and Rita leans forward and looks down (laughs) and just stares at him and gives him the mom evil eye. Savannah's name is called, no proposal is made, God is good, all right? (laughs) He did save the proposal uh, for a few months later, and God's plan was perfect. And we've seen God's hand through so many different things. We've seen it here at, at Crossroads. I've, I've known Ken uh, Eidelman for so many years, and he's been a family friend for decades of our family. And he led so well here and preached so well. And, and to think that God would orchestrate uh, the fact that now Ken and Kayleen are members at Southeast, where I serve, and they get to be with their three kids who serve on our staff as well. And to think uh, that, that you all, uh, I'm in hundreds of churches, I'm around hundreds of pastors, 
And I truly believe that, that you all get to hear the best preacher under the age of 30 in the entire country uh, every week with Patrick Garcia. And uh, God has given him a gift. And I am very thankful that Patrick always has this desire to keep improving as a leader and that he's teachable and that he wants to preach better and better. Now, I say all of that from a pastor's perspective. Now let me speak from a father's perspective. Um, thank you for the way that you love Savannah and Patrick and our grandkids. And I will tell you this. The future is very bright for the tri-state area and for Crossroads if you love people the way you love my family. So thank you for doing that. That's a dad talking, okay? Um, you're in a series. All right, we're together. Here we go. We're all together. I've had allergies terribly down here in the Evansville area. So I'll take a Zyrtec and I'll be fine, all right? Um, you're in a series, this is what it's all about, and you're walking through the book of Acts, and you're seeing the emphasis from the Christian community. Uh, from the outset in the book of Acts, it's all about naturally and effectively and passionately sharing the gospel with others. And today we're going to look at Acts chapter 10, and we're going to find out how it is that, that we have been called to share the gospel with people who are different than us. Because in Acts chapter 10, we're going to see that the gospel, that it's for everyone. It's, it's not just for the Jewish people. It's uh, salvation is available for everyone through Jesus Christ, even the Gentiles. And this is a very important message for Crossroads. Because as a church, your vision is to connect everyone, everywhere, to Jesus by multiplying leaders, campuses, and churches. That's why you're here. That's your vision. And in Acts 10, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit used Peter to begin to welcome into the fold a, a group of people that the Jewish folks often ridiculed and disdained. So turn in your Bible or your Bible app to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to understand that the setting in Acts 10 is, is Caesarea. Now, Caesarea was the Jewish capital, and Herod had built Caesarea from nothing to one of the greatest Hellenistic uh, cities in all of Israel. Its harbor was bigger than the harbor at Athens. Its Colosseum was bigger than the Colosseum at Rome. It was a very cosmopolitan city. And living there was a respected man by the name of Cornelius. And the Bible tells us that he was God-fearing, that he was generous, and that, that he was a person who, who people loved. He was respected in the community. And, and one day an angel comes to Cornelius, this Gentile man who... Gentile just means he was not Jewish. And the angel instructed Cornelius to send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon Peter. And so these men start out on a journey to bring this Jewish man, Peter, back to Caesarea. And, and they're going to bring him back. And look with me at Acts chapter 10, verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. <laughs> Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. 
The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Let me summarize for you what what happens next. At that moment, the men sent by Cornelius, they arrived at Peter's house. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit told Peter to go with them. And so they journeyed back to Caesarea. And when Peter came into the home of Cornelius, this Gentile man fell at his feet in reverence. And Simon Peter said, hey, get up on your feet, man. He said, I'm just a man. Don't, Don't worship me. And he went into the house where all the family and friends of Cornelius had gathered. And he points out to them that the Holy Spirit had told him that these men were coming to get him. About that time, Cornelius informs Peter of his angelic visit and how he was told specifically to send for Peter. Now look in your Bible at verses 34 through 36. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And Peter goes on to preach about Jesus' ministry, and he talks about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and how Jesus died to pay for their sins. And as he spoke, the Holy Spirit came down and descended upon Cornelius' household. And it was just like it was on the day of Pentecost when the church started and the Jews could receive salvation through Christ. And so now, here, God is signifying that the Gentiles can receive salvation through Christ. And the people that were there with Simon Peter, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these uncircumcised Gentiles. In the midst of this, Peter instructs them to be baptized, and they were, just as Brandy was just a few minutes ago. Peter stayed with them for a few days with this people group who had never before been informed or invited to find salvation in Christ alone. And the Holy Spirit empowers Peter and the other Jewish Christians to accept those who are different. What a a transformation, what a change. In essence, this story in Acts chapter 10 is teaching each of us that the gospel of Christ is for everyone. And we're to reach out to those who are different than us, those who are in a different socioeconomic group, those who maybe uh, are of a different race, those perhaps who are of a different political party, those who have grown up with a different religious persuasion, those who are much smarter and wiser than we are. I always feel intimidated when I'm around people who who are, are very, very smart, and they have a lot of degrees, and, and I just always feel like I'm a little second-rate. God wants me to reach out to those people. Probably goes back to when I was in seventh grade. I'll never forget. I brought my report card home, showed it to my dad. I had four Fs and one C. My dad said, how do you explain this, boy? I said, well, I guess I spent too much time on that one class. <clears throat> one of the reasons Patrick and I get along so well. Uh, Let me make three simple observations for you from this text, all right? Number one, share the gospel with those who are different from you. You see, Peter struggled with seeing people the way that God sees them, and part of that was due to his culture, because he was in a culture where prejudice was protected and encouraged by the law. 
Jews weren't big on diversity. They spent time with other Jews. It was like a giant clique. And look at the opening line when Peter arrives at Cornelius' home in verse 28. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. He's saying in the world that that I live in, according to our rules and regulations, I probably shouldn't be here. But there's a higher authority. You see, God's will always overrides human tradition. And remember, Peter has had the Holy Spirit working in his life now ever since Pentecost. But now in Acts chapter 10, he is still oblivious, along with the other Jewish Christians, to the sins of, of prejudice and intolerance. So it's as if God engineers this extra work of grace for the Holy Spirit to empower Peter to understand that the benefits of the gospel are for anyone who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Can you imagine how that would stretch the early New Testament church as these Jewish people who had become Christians are now supposed to begin accepting and welcoming Gentiles who accept Christ? And it went against their prejudices. Chip Ingram defines prejudice by saying, prejudice is a judgment or opinion formed before the facts are known. And I agree. It's an assessment where prejudice is prejudgment. And we do it all the time. We see someone wearing nicer clothes than, than we have, and so we all of a sudden think, well, they must have an air about them. We see someone who has shabbier clothes than we have, and all of a sudden we think that we're better than them. And the list goes on and on and on. And what we do is we make a prejudgment based on an exterior focus. Down in the deep south in the early 1900s, there was a a wealthy white family who had been known to share food with African-American folks who were, during that time, desperately trying to make ends meet in the deep south. And one time an African-American man came to the home of a wealthy white woman who oftentimes helped others. And he knocked on the door and the woman came to the door and he said, ma'am, is there any way that you might have any extra food for me and, and for my family? And the woman looked one direction, looked the other direction and whispered, meet me on my back porch. The man dutifully went around to the back porch and the woman cut through her kitchen, through the inside of the house and grabbed a basket of some bread. And then when she came out the other side, she said, here's some food for you. I know you're hungry. I know you're famished. I know you probably want to eat it right now. But you pray before you eat this food and just repeat the prayer after me. Our Father who art in heaven. And he said, your Father who art in heaven. And she said, no, no, repeat what I say. Our Father who art in heaven. And he said, your Father who art in heaven. And she was perturbed and she said, Sir, why, why do you continue to say your Father? He said, well, because if I said our Father, then that would mean that you and I were brother and sister. And if we were brother and sister, then you wouldn't have asked me to come around to the back porch. Sometimes we do a good thing, but we leave undone the best thing. And that's what was happening in the church back then. They just couldn't picture 
that God would invite somebody different than them into the kingdom. And this happens with us economically, racially, politically, spiritually. But we can make a difference if all of us strive to remove those barriers and make an effort to get out of our comfort zone and spend time with those who look, act, and believe differently than we do. Because the gospel, it's for everyone. I'm much more accepting of those who are different than I am when I take the time to get to know them. So share the gospel with those who are different than you. Here's the second observation. Break down barriers so that you can build relationships. Break down barriers so that you can build relationships. In other words, look for those opportunities. Pray for those opportunities. If you say everybody I hang out with is about the same and they're all Christian, well, then you better ask God to put you in some settings where you're with non-Christians. If everyone's the same, then ask him. This is what I pray a lot of times. I will pray, God, put, put somebody in my path who I can share the gospel with. Bring somebody into my life. Sometimes I'll say, intersect my life with someone else. I've, I've stopped saying the intersect my life with someone else because uh, Beth and I started riding bikes a few, few weeks ago, and about uh, four, four and a half weeks ago, I was on a long bike ride, and I collided with another person. I intersected paths with a guy, and now I have two cracked ribs to prove it, you know? And it was so, uh, when, when I prayed that prayer for God to cross my path with someone, I didn't mean it like that, you know? And the guy I collided into, it turns out we're both kind of coming to and we, we look at each other and the guy walks over and he goes to my church. And he said, hey, I'm really sorry I missed two weeks ago. He said, I'll never miss again. <laughs> That's the first thing he said to me, all right? First guy that came on the scene of it uh, worked for a funeral home. So he's passing out business cards, you know? How many of you all have ever had a cracked rib? Eh? It's not a lot of fun, is it? It only hurts when you sneeze, cough, uh, sleep, laugh, or breathe. All right? I called my doctor a few days afterwards. It's actually Patrick's uh, brother-in-law. And I said, Matt, I said, man, I said, I cannot sleep. He said, well, you got two cracked ribs. I said, how am I supposed to sleep? He said, you have to sleep upright. You have to sleep in a chair, sitting up. I said, that's impossible. I can't do it. And here I am 15 minutes into preaching a sermon, and as I look around, <laughs> I see that many of you have mastered the art. <clears throat> Last weekend at our, our church, we were blessed to have a surprise guest. Uh, Tim Tebow came uh, to Southeast, and over the course of the weekend, uh, one time Beth said to Tim, said, or said to me, said, Dave, did you tell Tim about your cracked ribs? And I said, well, no, I hadn't mentioned that. I said, Tim, have, have you ever, with all your injuries, have you ever had cracked ribs? He said, oh, man, I had cracked ribs. He said, I said, well, I, I know it's, it's painful, isn't it? He said, it is so painful. I said, it has really uh, kept me from being able to do a lot of different things uh, the, the last few weeks. I said, uh, so how long did it take you to get over them? He said, oh, he said, I played in the second half. <clears throat> And my wife, my beautiful wife, came to my defense and looked at Tim Tebow and said, well, he preached with cracked ribs. <laughs> so she's in my corner, all right? But I no longer pray for God to intersect my path 
with those who are different. Now I just pray, Lord, just bring those people. Just bring them to me. And that's what's taking place in Acts 10. God is changing Peter's thinking on that day. And and the Jewish Christians are going to learn that Jesus came to save everybody. Even though they were different. Acts chapter 10 verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You have to understand, this is a major paradigm shift. This is the transitional moment in all of time when now salvation is not just for the Jews, but it's for those who weren't Jews. And for over 98% of this room, it's in Acts chapter 10 when all of a sudden we get the news that we can be saved. That because of a Jewish carpenter, non-Jews can be saved. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, show us how God loves diversity. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so now at Cornelius' home, the Holy Spirit was poured out in the same dramatic fashion as it was at Pentecost when 3,000 people were baptized into Christ. And now Peter has this privilege of allowing God to change his own heart. And God validates through this miraculous movement of the Holy Spirit. And the ultimate validation was this, that non-Jews chose to believe in Christ. That may be the bigger miracle. That they chose to accept Jesus. And when God reaches people who are different than you are, it always seems so special. It always seems at times awkward at first. But then when God does his thing, I mean, it's unbelievable. A couple of years ago, our family got to know a young lady. Her name is Lolly, as in lollipop. Now, Lollipop is not her given name that she was born with. It was the name she chose for herself when she became an exotic dancer. And Lolly, when she was 18 years old, she had dropped out of high school a year before. Her parents kicked her out of her house and out of their house. She started staying in motels, and in order to make money to stay in the motel each night, she would dance at a strip club. But there are dozens of Christian ladies with a ministry in Louisville It's called Scarlet Hope. They bring a home-cooked meal to nearly 20 clubs in the Louisville area every Thursday night. There's a similar ministry here in in the Evansville area. And these these Christian ladies, they go backstage and they bring home-cooked meals. And they listen and they talk with these ladies and they love on them. And they ask for prayer requests. And they get to know their lives and their families. And they try to help them in a variety of ways. And as strange as it sounds... There are countless women who are leaving the adult entertainment industry and are finding Jesus Christ and giving their life to him. Uh, Every week when I preach, every, every week when I preach, I can see six or seven ladies out there who are growing in Christ, who have left, left that behind them. But Beth and I had met Lolly at a Bible study that I had spoken for 
for these girls who were considering leaving the adult industry. And so Beth and I told Lolly, we said, hey, we, we are praying for you and we will pray for you regularly. And we did. And several months later, we, we got word that Lolly had had a major breakthrough in her life and that, that she had quit dancing. And so we called her up and said, can we take you to dinner? We just want to hear your story. And I'll never forget when we picked her up and uh, went to O'Charlie's and we sat with her. And you talk about a person with a very different past than, than ours. And we laughed and we cried and uh, we listened. In the end of the night, I, I, I'll never forget, I looked at her and I said, hey, I said, uh, Lolly, we, we've been praying for you every night as Lolly. We call you Lolly, and now you tell us that, that your name is, is Lauren. That's what your parents named you. I know God knows who you are, but how do you want us to pray for you, and, 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 and what should we call you when we call you? Should we call you Lolly, or should we call you Lauren? I'll never forget what she said. She said, oh, call me Lauren. She said, I, I buried Lolly over a month ago. And so, Lauren, it is. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. And a month later, I baptized her into Christ. I buried her. And she rose to walk a newness of life. And now she works at a fast food restaurant and she's had three promotions and now she's the manager of her shift. She has self-worth. She has value. She loves the Lord. You see, God specializes in giving us new identities. His word says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I'm so thankful for some Christian ladies who broke down barriers with a young lady who was very different than they were. And the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is how it is that Peter was able to do something very different from the way he had been raised his entire life. And it went against everything that he had been taught. But you know what? So does God's grace. It goes against everything. Logical. It is so abnormal. It is so unconditional. And it reminds us that the gospel is for everyone. And breaking down barriers and befriending those who are different may be a stretch for you. But the challenge for Christians is to allow the Spirit to lead you in overcoming our fears. And to get out of our comfort zones and to plant seeds to plant seeds among those who don't know Christ. And why not start this week with somebody who's very different than you? You see, you are not the power. The gospel is the power. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And what's the next phrase say? First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. That covers everybody. You see, the gospel is for the Muslim, it's for the atheist, it's for the bank president, it's for minimum wage workers, it's for the stripper. It's for the self-righteous person who feels like God is fortunate even to have me on his team. Share the gospel with those who are different than you. Break down barriers so that you can build relationships. And here's the, the third and final observation. Keep a sense of urgency because eternity hangs in the balance. Notice that Peter didn't put this off. When he had this vision from God, he didn't say, well, you know what? They're making some food for me downstairs. I'll, 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 head out. I'll, I'll eat. I'll watch some games, and then I'll head out. No. It says he heads out immediately. 
And he, he, he didn't put it off, even though it was awkward and uncomfortable, the setting that he was going in. He dove in. He responded to the Spirit's leading because the gospel and the salvation are too important to press pause on. And Christ's love compels us to want to share it with others, people who are different than us. There's got to be this sense of urgency. And I don't know if this is like the way it is for you, but I'm telling you, I can get lulled to sleep to where as a Christian, I lose my sense of urgency and passion for people that don't know Christ. Maybe today is a wake-up call for me and for you to plant some seeds and to share what God has put in your heart and to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ. I heard about a fiery preacher that always went about it the wrong way. He was going to scare people into heaven was the way he looked at it. And he used to get his jollies by riding on the city bus. And he'd take his big family Bible. And everyone who came on that, that bus, he was going to lead them to the Lord. And he was going to tell them what they needed to be doing, what was wrong in their life. And he'd been doing this all day long, just riding this city bus when all of a sudden late in the afternoon, an inebriated man kind of stumbled on and he got onto the bus and the man sprang into action. He took his Bible and he said, Sir, did you know you're headed for hell? And the guy said, Oh, no, I got on the wrong bus again. You want to know. <laughs> well, can I tell you something? The world doesn't need to be told it's going to hell. The world needs to be shown how to get to heaven. And that's where you come in. And that's where you begin to make a difference. Our time is short. I don't know if Christ will return first or if you will die first. I don't know if he's coming or you're going. But you better be ready. And you better take as many people with you as you possibly can. And knowing that he is coming is much more important than knowing when he is coming. And so we're not consumed with anxiety. We are prepared because heaven and hell are real places. That's why Crossroads has this goal to become one church in five cities in the next five years. Why would you have that vision? I'll tell you why. Because heaven and hell are real. And eternity hangs in the balance. And so we have to be ready. And we have to have others be ready too. A couple was shopping in a store with their five-year-old. They got a little bit more interested in looking at the clothing than they did keeping an eye on their five-year-old. And after several minutes of looking at clothes and, and perusing them, all of a sudden they realized that their five-year-old wasn't there. So the parents started looking, and they didn't find him. And then they split up, and they started looking more frantically. And then they got clerks and the store manager and different people involved, and people were all throughout the entire place looking for their five-year-old. And after about 15 minutes, the mom had this sinking feeling my son has been abducted. I will never see my son again. It was at that moment that over the loudspeaker, a voice said, would Mr. and Mrs. Bernard Johnson please report to the manager's office on the second level? And he went bounding up the escalator. And they found the manager's office. They threw open the door. And there, seated back behind the manager's desk with his feet propped up, sipping on a cold Coke, having the time of his life, with a big smile on his face, was their five-year-old son. But when the little boy saw the worried and frantic expressions on his parents' faces, his smile immediately gave way and he burst into tears. Do you realize why? He had no idea he was lost 
until he was found. And each and every day, you rub shoulders with dozens and dozens of people who are precisely in the same spiritual condition. And they have no idea that they are lost. And they have no idea that they're heading to a crisis eternity. Unless you build a bridge to them. Unless you share Christ with them. Unless you love them and take an interest in them. Even though they might be different than you. You see, people are different from all of us different in so many ways but if you break down those barriers and take an interest and build a relationship you can have something in common you can have Jesus in common you will never reap a harvest if you never plant a seed and our job is to plant seeds and Acts 10 teaches us to do so with people who are very different than us let me close by telling you a story that that Tim Tebow shared last week of how he reached out to some people who were very different than he was. He said, about a year ago, I planned out a day to to go to a prison in Florida and just to talk to as many inmates as I possibly could. He said, there were over 300 inmates that, that I met, shook hands with, or visited with. But he said, after about seven, seven and a half hours, I was exhausted. He said, I was mentally and emotionally spent He said, but as Eric and I and the warden were walking out, Eric's a a close friend of Tim's, they walked past a hallway that they hadn't seen before. And Eric said, hey, what's down that hallway? And the warden said, well, that's suicide watch. He says, anybody down there? He said, there are four men. And so Tim said, well, let, let me go down. Do you mind if I talk to some of them? He said, that's fine. He went in several different places and several different rooms, and then he came to the third room, and before Tim went in, the warden said, before you go in there, Tim, you need to know something. He said, all these guys have murdered people. But he said, "Uh, this guy that you're going to see murdered one of the other inmates two weeks ago. He has no hope. He is as hopeless as can be. And he said, I I just wanted you to know that before you went in. And, And Tim and Eric prayed, And the warden went in behind the two of them. And he described the room as like a steel cage. And uh, the warden went ahead of him and went up to this small plexiglass window in between the two and said, "Uh, you have a special visitor. And this guy got up and Tim, as he walked closer to him in the plexiglass, could tell that he was bound, his ankles were shackled. And that he had a suicide vest on, so all he could do was move his fingers. And they walked up closer and closer, and all they could do was see images until finally they came two inches from each other. And as soon as the guy's face was two inches from Tim and he could see him, the prisoner looked at Tim and said, You're a Christian. And Tim said, Yes, sir, I am. He said, You know why I've come? The man said, No. He said, I came here today to tell you that God loves you very much and that God can forgive you. The man burst into tears, fell to the ground. Tim said he cried for nearly five minutes. He said finally he got up on his feet and he said it took him another minute or so to even be able to stand up the way his ankles were shackled and come up and he, he came up to him. And he said to Tim, he said, you may not believe me, 
what he said a couple of minutes ago before you walked in this room. He said, I said to God, okay, God, I have been abused all my life. I have been abandoned all my life. I have been betrayed by family and friends. You give me a reason why I should believe in you. You show up for me, God, if you're real. He said, then you came walking in. For the next 15 minutes, Tim shared about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how Jesus Christ died for the terrible things that he had done. And how Jesus Christ could give him a new start. And he asked him to make a commitment for Jesus Christ. And the man did. And he prayed that God would come into his life. And he began that initial journey that day in a prison cell. Hey, if, if Jesus can't forgive him, then he sure can't forgive me. And he can't forgive you. But all that happened because one man chose to go out of his comfort zone and to reach out to someone who was different than he was. And that man threw up a prayer and God answered it. May God use you to make a difference in the lives of those who are different than you. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody.